welcome once again to Bodices and Corsets, the Nevers podcast, a weekly podcast on each episode of the television series The Nevers on HBO Max. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state, well, actually, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? Well. Excellent. And in the state of Missouri. Oh, I'm, this is Kevin, and I'm just fine. Excellent. Uh, so before we uh, get into our topic tonight, uh, a couple of things. Uh, folks who stumbled upon us, uh, besides uh, noting what the podcast is about, uh, we're part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. Uh, our website, all genre news website, where we have release notices, uh, columns, articles, uh uh, podcasts, uh, video reviews, all sorts of things. It's updated daily, so if you follow uh, film news, specifically genre and indie films, uh, it is a website you would want to check out daily. Uh, we have an email, darkdiscussions at AOL.com, where you can email us and give us your thoughts on bodices and corsets, the Nevers podcast, or on the show itself, uh, the Nevers, or on anything related to uh, steampunk or whatever, you send us the email, we will read it on the podcast. Um, so please do. We also have a Patreon where you can donate to the podcast or specifically the network. Uh, Dark Discussions News Network is a free network that is only um, available due to the kindness of those who listen. Some folks uh, do donate to the podcast or the network uh, because, again, uh, none of us are paid and we do not uh, get any money from this. Actually, we run in the red because of server fees, uh, storage fees, content feeds, uh, HTTP feeds, fees, and all that other good stuff. So um, if you want to donate, that would be great. Uh, we do give uh, thing back if you do donate basically if you donate every five dollars you donate per month there's a chance that you can have uh us do an episode on a movie of your choice uh so the dark discussions podcast which is the um <clears throat> uh i guess the original podcast of the network uh does a month uh, weekly reviews on uh genre movies so for example, if you donate $15, uh, you would get three chances to choose a film. You could choose three different films or choose one film three times. And uh, every quarter we pick out of a hat and we do that topic. So anything would be great. You can find us at patreon.com backslash dark discussions or simply press the Patreon button on darkdiscussions.com. Uh, also, to email us, it's darkdiscussions at aol.com, or you can just press the contact us uh, link on the website. All right, so that's pretty much the house cleaning, so let's get into our topic tonight. But before we do, for folks who have already listened to episode one of Abodices and Corsets, the Nevers podcast, who's this Kevin guy? He wasn't there on that first episode. He What's wasn't. going on? Who are you? Who are you? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who am I? Who who are any of us, really? No, I'm a, um, well, I'm a contributor to previous uh, Dark Discussions Network shows uh, co covering uh, shows like Lovecraft Country and The Undoing and most recently The Discovery of Witches, 
very fun shows and uh i am have gonna have hopefully gonna have fun doing this one because i am very much into steampunk that's right that's right so uh uh when we were deciding what uh podcast to do it or i should say what television show to do a podcast on since we've done a number of other television shows and they've been highly uh, successful uh, people have listened to them, and we've gotten uh, great uh, responses. Uh, some of the shows that we've done are a Discovery of Witches, Demons, and Vampires, which is a podcast on a Discovery of Witches television show. On Shutter, we've done Don't Tell Me, I'll Tell You, the Stand podcast, off, uh, based off of the Stand, um, Paramount Plus, or CBS All Access, the Stand television series. We did a Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country which is uh, one about uh, Lovecraft Country from HBO Max. We've done one, The Undoing, a therapy session podcast on the television HBO Max show, The Undoing, uh, Searching for American Gods. Uh, we've done uh, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, uh, You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, and so on and so forth. Uh, when we chose this one, uh, we looked through a number of shows, and uh, I threw this one out uh, specifically to Kevin because of uh, the steampunk element and uh so yeah so uh welcome aboard kevin it's good that uh you were able to uh join us uh going forward uh glad to be here i just sorry i couldn't make it last night it was a uh, prior engagement that i just couldn't get out of no worries no worries uh yeah if folks are curious kevin says last night what do you mean last night uh well uh it took us a while to decide which tv show to do and uh, it was a last minute decision so uh, what happened is today is April 19th, 2021, uh, Monday. Uh, we already recorded episode one, but we did it a week after it uh, was released. So we were one week behind, and so we're doubling up uh, twice back to back episodes, episode one and two, um, basically uh, one day apart. And then uh, starting next week, uh, a change from our debut episode. We said the next episode will be released on the 29th. It actually will now be released on the 27th. So going forward, we're planning to release new episodes on each episode of the television series, The Nevers, on Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon, uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so uh, that gives us... Um, or I should say you listeners, uh, two days earlier that we were originally planning to release episodes. Um, so that's pretty much that. So um, let's do one thing before we get into uh, episode two of the television series and discuss and critique. Uh, we did a, a simple layman's definition of what steampunk kind of sort of is but since we have now the expert a man who uh cosplays uh steampunk who goes to uh cosplay conventions and probably his favorite genre of all uh fantasy sci-fi and horror is steampunk mr kevin let's tell us the definition and what is steampunk to you well to me well steampunk yeah some people have a difficult time really defining it but pretty much uh a brief definition is a subculture genre aesthetic that is based on victorian era science fiction 
So essentially, um, think about Jules Verne, but it just continued. That's the best way I can put it. It's essentially, if it's uh, like if the Victorian era kind of continued with the aesthetic, but also the technology. So it kind of has like you can have a computer that is a that is steampunk in style which would probably include a lot of gears, wood, and brass. And then with the clothing, uh, usually there's a lot of goggles, but there's also a very uh, Victorian look to it. There's different kinds of Victorian looks to it. Like you want to go actual Victorian, you can look like you're something out of the Victorian era, or there's a type of victorian era where it's what they call post-apocalyptic so in other words it's uh still victorian style but it looks like you just survived the apocalypse and so this show that we're looking at is definitely more of a excuse me uh you know a victorian era style yeah all right so it seems like I, i i was pretty close i pretty much kind of said that um in a roundabout way and uh yeah all right so you you've uh um verified what what i said so i appreciate it that's thank you very much um now this show um takes place in what is an alternate reality uh 1899 and um Victorian London, and specifically, as you mentioned, because of the steampunk, that's the reason why it's alternate reality or whatever. And then it has mystical realism, urban fantasy, dark fantasy, science fiction elements, uh, just for the fact that steampunk is a subgenre of science fiction, um, among thriller and mystery elements as well. Um, All right, so let's discuss, uh, that's pretty much the, the... I guess the intro, uh, since folks who are listening to this probably already listened to our first episode, uh, I guess we can get into uh, this specific episode. Uh, This specific episode is called Exposure. It's the second episode in the first six-part release. Uh, As we discussed, the other six episodes will be probably released later in the year, but they're they're kind of breaking up season one, or what even or even if this is only one season, they're breaking it up into part A and part B. Um, so uh, exposure uh, was uh, directed by Josh Whedon and was written by uh, someone named Jane Esper Esperson Esperson, who um, obviously is a well, not obviously, but who has worked with Josh Whedon for uh, d- decades. Um, episode one, the pilot was uh, had five hundred and forty-eight thousand viewers, so it was not watched by many. Um, exposure that that detail hasn't come out yet, um, though now that uh, HBO. Max, based off of them being bought out by Warner Brothers, uh, they're changing things up a bit where they're not just trying to do one show and uh, go with it. Uh, right now, Mayor of Easttown was released on April 18th 
at 10 o'clock, so literally right after the Nevers. Uh, another strong female lead uh, with Kate Winslet. So I'm assuming um, the Nevers may actually uh, get a bump going forward now that Kate Winslet, uh, her name recognition alone, could carry Sunday nights as the night everybody watches HBO. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. Uh, Mayor of Easttown, um is actually uh, getting fantastic reviews, uh, 89% versus uh, the Nevers, who's actually now dropped down to 47%. Um, It was kind of funny last night when we were recording the first episode of this podcast, it was at 49%. And then as me and Barrett were talking, it dropped to 48%. So (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes literally updated right in front of us. And then today, this morning, it went down to 47%. So Rotten Tomatoes most certainly is... Uh, di- uh, dynamic and not static. Um, all right, so let's get into our episode two called Exposure. Give our thoughts. So uh, let's start with you, Kevin. You're, you're new to the podcast. Uh, give your thoughts on Exposure. Uh, the the episode was good. I had absolutely uh, no, no uh, complaints about it. Uh, I mean, the the one character I, I, I'm still trying to remember the names, but the the one character that's kind of definitely into hedonism. He is not a, a favorite character of mine. But Swan, I, Swan, Swan. Yeah, I mean, Swan is going to be a interesting character, though, as uh, as time goes on. I can tell, but uh, it was. I mean, we had some, um, if you will, some revelations, uh, some unveilings of of backgrounds and new characters. It was, it was a fun episode and I'm just kind of watching, just waiting to see what happens and kind of drawing the line and seeing uh, who really is the good guy and who really, I mean, the, who are the good people and who are the bad people. All right. Very good. Yeah. There was a a big uh, development in, uh, this this episode that we'll discuss because for folks who are curious, we do not just review, uh, we dissect and critique as well. Uh, for folks who would listen to this podcast, we're assuming everybody's watching the show along with us and they want to hear other viewpoints and further details and opinions uh, because we're trying to do all sorts of things discussing, uh, um, I guess, uh, symbolism, all that crap. You know, that's you know, we say the word crap, but we also pretend we, we drink martinis and talk like the BBC. Um, all right, Barrett, what about yourself? I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I think I enjoyed the first one a tad better, but not by much. Um, it, it's leading us down an interesting path. I'm, I'm really curious where it's going to go. I like the acting. I still like the scenery. The costumes are great. Um, and I'm enjoying the plot line, so we'll see where it goes. All right. Very well. Yeah. For me, um, yeah, I, I like this episode as well. Uh, I'm not sure if I liked it, um, less than the first, I, I think I may have liked it a little more than the first, probably because, um, I, I, I knew the characters now, uh, and generally knew what was going on. Um, the world building wasn't as important in this one as it was in the first. Um, so, so, but either way, uh, uh, no worse or no better than the first, uh, both of them were, were, were good in my opinion. Um, I specifically enjoyed, 
the penance storyline um and actually actually the whole party scene i i liked as well uh and we'll discuss that um uh it was uh well we'll get into it when we we get over to it but uh all in all yeah it was a really good episode and uh highly enjoyable what's that which party um oh i see what you're saying yeah uh yeah. i'm talking about the uh the party uh where the more they, respectable one yeah the more respectable yes. one yeah yeah oh the, oh the other party i couldn't stand at all that was great i mean i i, I didn't mind seeing some pretty ladies but uh the whole thing was just gross i felt so yeah um the other party, the underground party. Um, all right, so we will uh, get into our, our discussion. Um, we, we're throwing up the spoiler right now because, again, we're, we're this is a TV show. It's not a movie where people may um, not have seen the movie, uh, but we're assuming everybody has, has watched The Nevers. Um, all right, so where do we want to start? What do we want to talk about? I, the thing, I guess I, I'll, I'll bring something up. Uh, I felt... All right, basically, there's this party where the touched and those that live in the um, orphanage are brought to the manor of Lavinia to basically, um, I guess, mingle with uh, the wealthy uh, elites in the greater London area of Victorian England, 1899. And it was very odd, I felt, until later in the, in the film. Basically, once we find the big twist out at the end, it all makes sense. But Lavinia is supposed to be someone at that point, um, if wealthy and a little stuffy and even a snob, uh, at least portrays herself as someone that's caring of those who have been touched, meaning she knows that they're considered outcasts and decides to uh, help them. Um, but the party was a curious thing, in my opinion, because it was something that kind of exploited them rather than otherwise. And, and for example, the, the best example of that was Primrose, mm-hmm. uh, who oddly I mentioned yesterday she was a 12 or 13 year old girl in episode one, but in reality it appears that she's closer to, uh, the actress is probably closer to 20, um, because, uh, um, at, at the end of the episode, they have a six minute thing and, and they interviewed her big time. Um, the actress that plays Primrose and you can tell that she's, uh, a young adult and, and not a child. Um, and, but they make her, but they talk about how they make her, and how she looks and all that. And, uh, it's kind of unbelievable that how the the difference to make her look like she's a younger girl. Um, and in her, that scene with her specifically Primrose, they, you know, she's being, uh, pictures taken as if she's like a freak. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it was kind of gross. Um, and made me like my, my my lady's character even more, because she hates these people, uh, or at least appears to in episode one. Not that they deserve to be killed, but they're despicable people, I feel. And Lavinia kind of showed me that, well, maybe she's not who 
who we think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think this whole episode is about how she's not who we think. And then we really get that dose at the end. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's the big twist. Yeah. Uh, but I think that they're they're giving us hints all the way through. I didn't catch them really that much. My wife did. She caught it early on. And I mean, I don't think she liked her in episode one. But this episode, definitely by the time you get to the party, she was like, yeah, she's bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Especially, um, I mean, if you're Irish, I mean, this, I have to admit, it's not surprising. It's despicable, but it's not surprising when, I mean, there's a, I, I forgot the guy's name, but, um, he's the, her, uh, Augie. Yeah. They're his, the son, Augie. Augie's the son. And also, and he's kind of hiding himself as a, uh, as a touch, the brother, he's a brother. It's, it's her younger brother. It's your younger yeah. brother. Oh, okay. And so, I mean, we we realize that he's also taught. We find this out in the, in the last episode, but he's having. I mean, he is what you would call socially awkward, like massively socially awkward. He has a tough time talking with people, especially with women, and he meets. Uh, uh, the, yeah, penance. Uh, I mean, a very nice, intelligent, and attractive woman, but she's Irish. And she's touched and the and, you know, she says, you know, I don't want you to cavort with her because one, she's touched two, she's Irish, you know, and that just that just tells you that she's just not a good person. It's, It's very typical. You see that. I mean, it's sorry. It's like we live in a country where it used to be, um, Oh, what was it? Uh, help wanted Irish need not apply. I mean, that was our nation for a while. Did so, they talk about her Irishness, though? Yeah, they uh, did. Yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, but it did. didn't but, seem as important as her being touched that Lavinia didn't want her brother with her. Yeah. And, and to be honest, Kevin, anybody in that position would be that way with any ethnicity, for example, uh, me and Kevin, uh, during the dark discussions, uh, summer, uh, meetups, uh, we usually have one, obviously we didn't have one, uh, last year due to, uh, the COVID. Uh, but, uh, we go to mystic Connecticut to mystic pizza is one of the places we go to. And there's a movie made about that. And in that movie, you have these waspy Yankee, Connecticut, wealthy folk, and they live on all the mansions in in the greater mystic area and then the <clears throat> the people that work at the pizza place and at, oddly uh do the housework for these wealthy people are all portuguese american and i'm half portuguese american and my mother was 100% portuguese american and she, when she saw that movie she got pissed because the the yankee wasps treated the portuguese like crap in that movie because Which movie the, was it now again? Mystic Pizza. Mystic Pizza. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's and, a big theme and, of that, yeah. Yeah, exactly, because technically, people, you know, right now, everybody talks about white privilege in the United States. Uh, all right, well, not everybody, but the news media and, and the, the politicians do. Now, white privilege is a crock, in my opinion, because what you said, Kevin, right now, and what I'm saying about Mystic Pizza, which is, White people aren't white people. They're 
they're Italians, they're Irish, they're Portuguese, there's French, there's Germans, there's Polish, there's Lithuanians, there's Russians, and there's you know on and on and on Greeks and so on and so forth. And there's been and in the United States, as Kevin mentioned, the Irish folk, Irish need not apply. My father, my grandfather was was right off the boat from Portugal on my mother's side, my matriarch grandfather. And he said he used to get in fights with the Irish all the time because the Irish were the cops and they were the dinks in the city of Lowell, Massachusetts. And and then he also said he didn't like the French Quebecers because they used to always beat up the uh, the 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 Portuguese or the Greeks or whoever walked down the street. And and my father's family were all French, Quebecers. So my point is is it's very tribal even within the Caucasians, as specifically as we saw in this episode. So I could see how Kevin, who's part Irish or, or, or maybe more than part Kevin, not Irish pissed at, at that. Oh, I'm, part oh, Irish, I'm part Irish too, but, um, oh, okay, okay. and my family came, you know, my half, my father's side came over here in the last 125 years or so. So, it's whatever new group is the one that's pushed down and the group before them is the one that's pulling themselves up currently. So that's, that's just historical. I mean, that's just the way it works. It doesn't matter what, what, you know, necess- necessarily their nationality is, or they're just the poor. They're the poor pulling themselves up and it may be a lot of people from a particular area. Um, that's just how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as we, you know, even, even the modern era, uh, Kate, Kate uh, Middleton, who's Princess Kate, she would not have been able to marry Prince William any other time in history, because back until only 15 years ago, the the elite royalty of of England, and this this show takes place in England, couldn't marry commoners. It was against uh the family code and that obviously changed when kate middleton entered the royal family that was the first one and then then there's megan markles the, the next one and so on so things change but especially in 1899 you have this bourgeois either bourgeois or royalty i we, we don't know if she's a duchess or I, I really don't know but i think she's royalty some sort of duchess or something yeah she got a duchess title yeah, so she's 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 not gonna want a commoner marrying her brother, especially a commoner from a different ethnicity, because again, quote unquote white or Caucasian or, or white privilege is a crock, because even inside the white community, there's so many different ethnic backgrounds that are completely distinct from each other. And, and there is these, the snobbish and, and as you said, Barrett, which was an excellent point, which is the new group always gets shit on. And yeah. so an Irish person in England, especially in 1899 was going to be treated like crap. And, and so I think this this show is showing a lot of things besides class warfare. Showing, as you brought up, Kevin, the Irish bit and 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 the ethnicity bit, and how that can cause problems too. But again, we're finding out anyway that Lavinia is just a bad person, right? I mean, yes, 
she she can't be good based on what we've seen. <laughs> well, it's interesting because she said, I mean, it was uh, observed that, uh, what was it? Uh, she, um, you know, she supports them. She supports the orphanage, but she's very uncomfortable there. Well, it's all a front. That's why. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I know. But I mean, before we find out that it's a front, um, my whole it, it was kind of funny because, uh, you know, you hear about, you know, oh, yeah, you know, she's, uh, you know, she's, I mean, one person says she supports us, but why doesn't she like us very much? You know, there was a, you know, a massive hint there that, you know, something's off. Well, right. and she, I think we see that she sees them as lesser for sure. And she's just kind of showing oh, them yeah. like caged animals. And so that comes out when she treats them the way she treats them in, um, in the orphanage itself. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, she, I mean, she uses them as, um, like sideshow, sideshow performances. She exploits them. Yeah. She exploits them. Yeah. You know, I mean, and she does it under the guise of, Hey, I'm just trying to help you get, you know, help you get accepted by society. Right. Yeah, exactly. She tries to say that you are people too, and this is a way to make the elites, that I'm friends with understand that you're people too, which is what she says, but what is presented is otherwise. Right. It's, um, also er, another character in the, in the show also kind of alludes to this and we still don't know what his motivation is. And this is the character that you mentioned, Kevin, uh, the hedonist, uh, Hugo Swan. He says they're a commodity. They're someone meaning the touched. There's someone yeah. that can be used to make money. And I don't know I mean, if the, that the funny, the, the, the crazy part is at least he's honest about it. Right, right, right. Exactly. And, and he may be honest about it in a non evil way, like Lavinia. In other words, he's looking at them at, with having something that's worth something and to use that to make money, similar to anybody who, you know, like, like a publisher says, Oh, this author's a great author. I'm going to, publish this person if you weren't a great author they'd have nothing to do with you so and it's not because they're evil they just see you as someone of value and therefore they're going to publish your book just as you know uh, hbo hired josh whedon to do the show because at the time before all that horrible stuff came out they looked at him as someone that of value and therefore they said yeah we'll we'll, we'll look at your show yeah it seems good show us a pilot we'll put it on if he didn't have that ability they would have ignored him so i don't know if hugo swan is 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 just being an evil bastard i don't think so i think he's looking at them maybe as like like josh whedon or or, or stephen king or someone that is valuable and and we i can help them make money just as they can help me make money so i, I don't know where they're going with him yeah, I'm not sure what his purpose is either, but boy, I tell you what, Lord uh, Masson, is it Masson? I, I yeah, Masson. His yeah. Name, Masson. He, um, he was quite the dick. I know they were kind of having a moment, but man, that last statement he made was just wrong. Explain. <laughs> when he tells him that he w he's referring to, um, so he t Swan talks about his dad and how his dad doesn't, you know, know much of what's going on anymore. And then um, 
Lord oh, yeah, Monson. I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah, now. he gets really angry because they were friends. And at one point at the end of the conversation, he says, yeah, I think he went he went that way because you're the one that lived. So I guess his younger oh, that was, or his brother yeah. died. Yeah, drowning. Right. yeah. And that scene just hit hard. I mean, it was it was a good scene. Um, and I'm wondering how it's going to affect Swan's character going forward. Yeah, and it's a weird thing, too, because obviously they're doing uh, Ordinary People type of thing, if anybody's seen that film. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore, uh, her character, um, she's a, a mother of two boys, and Donald Sutherland is the, is the father. Uh, yeah, and one of the sons is played by Timothy Hutton. And in mm-hmm. that film, Timothy Hutton and his brother are on a boat, and the boat sinks, and the brother drowns. And the mother... The, the whole movie is about how the the whole family is being destroyed because of the death of the son, because and because the mother liked the other son better than Timothy Hutton's character. Yep. And and so this is kind of what this is like. And so this guy Swan is is the son that his father didn't like as much as the son that died. Now the thing is, first off that. The, I I really didn't care. This scene didn't bother me as much. I guess affect me as much as as you because Barrett because not not because because I can see what you're saying. It's, it's just a, the whole thing was a rude scene. But I don't like either of the characters because I both I think they're both scumbags. Oh really? I like Swan a lot. I like that he always has a smile on his face, and the only scene we've seen where he hasn't like it went not even to a frown. He when he when he gets that said to him, that's the worst you see his nature get. So far. Well, yeah. Well, I, 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 I did say he wants to ex- possibly exploit the touched as well for money. I, I, I was being devil's advocate in the sense that you know maybe he's yeah, he yeah. sees them as but he may be that way too. But again, they may tr- be trying to make his character a good character anyway. And and as as we know, and nowadays Hollywood, um, they demonize. I guess the the quote unquote uh, old fashioned moral or old fashioned religious person, while the new open person is the one that they, I guess, make as more angelic. And so maybe they're going to go that way, where they're they're trying to say, well, all right, let's make him a hedonist, let's make him pansexual, let's make him uh, maybe an opportunist, and then let's make him get in a fight with one of the more despicable characters in the show, meaning Masson. So people will like this character and they'll like him because Masson hates him. And so him being a hedonist and all the other stuff, people won't care anymore because again, someone like, for example, I'm assuming you, Kevin, wouldn't like the character because he's a hedonist. And I, I kind of felt he was kind of gross too, especially in that party scene at night because he's exploiting Augie you know, and all that other stuff. So I don't well, know. I don't like it's character. interesting that you like, say exploiting because I don't think he was exploiting Augie. I think he was trying to give Augie a good time in his weird way because <laughs> they're friends. Right, right. And I guess that depends on what your and I say your meaning anybody, not you specifically, Barrett. Yeah, I know. Your yeah, okay. your opinion of what a good time is. A lot right. Of Right, some people would say this is the most disgusting thing ever, and they're hedonist pigs, and they're 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 
using sex as commodities and all this other stuff. Well, other people would say, oh, they're just having a good time. It's not a big deal. You know, they're not bothering me. So why, why, why should you care? But I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? I would be curious what your, your thoughts on, on this, because that scene had the, one of the villains, quote unquote, villains, Masson, basically attacked this guy, Swan. But I didn't care because I didn't like either of them. Barrett obviously thinks Swan's okay, which is fine because I, I think a lot of people may like the character. But what's your opinion on it? Oh, well, quite that, that scene. I mean, it was obvious that this guy did not like his father. Okay. And uh, our uh, Swan did not, did not like his father. And while uh, Masson did, he was beat by his father, according to what he says in this conversation. Just putting that out there as well. Yeah, that's where I am. I, I just want that out there that he was. You no, know, I know. Says I know. he was beaten by his father. So, but I mean, I don't know. It's possibly I. Well, well, put it this way: he could have been beaten by his father, and he still could be a scumbag. Yes, absolutely. I'm it's, just saying. Yeah. That might be why he doesn't like his dad. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Right. But the thing is, is that he really and I understand and I understand that he's he's not happy about, you know, his father and all that. And I I mean, I don't know the severity of the beatings. I mean, was it just like he, he got, a, you know, he got his butt whipped and, you know, like a lot of pe- other people did at that time? Or was it just like a severe beating? I really I really don't know. Um I mean, I really don't know, but the but the point is, is that he, I think he also knew that uh, Masson really didn't like to hear that, and it just got to the point now because I mean, um, what was it? Swan's brother died, and that was obviously their father's favorite of the two uh, sons. And when you know, and, and so pretty much what happens is, is that he says, uh, you know, uh, Masson says, you know, I don't know if it was the fact that your that your brother died or the fact that you're the one who survived. Um, you know, and that you could tell that that hits, you know, that hits Bond pretty hard. And but the problem is, is that stuff like that would only encourage Swan to to be, you know, antagonistic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that that is not a good idea. Well, Well, it's interesting because Swan does say that the the touch deserved to make a living. Yes, so I, I find that an interesting comment because Masson's definitely against the touch. I mean, we know that. Yeah, the, the problem is, is that I mean, it's he says. I mean, in one end, you say, yeah, he, you know, Hugh Swan's right that you know that the touch do deserve to make a living. They do deserve to, you know, have their own life, if you will. But the problem is, is that Swan seems to want to use that for his own purposes. Exactly. You know, and. um you know, and that's and that's not that may not be good. That it, I mean, so far from what we've seen, it's not good, or it's not wholesome, if you will. Yeah, I think wholesome is yeah. the better word. Yeah, it might not be good. We don't know that yet, but it's definitely possibly not wholesome, depending well, on your depending I mean, on where you stand the, on the fence. Well, the thing is, is that it looks like he's also using it, uh, using them. You know, maybe even as. Uh, prostitutes well i think that's definitely what he's using the max yeah, he's using <laughs> prostitutes so i mean 
you know, whether or not it's legal is, you know, is that still a good thing? I mean, and, and I and I would say no. I mean, I understand that, you know, in some states, you know, in some places that, you know, prostitution is acceptable, but for many people it it isn't. So, I mean, and the thing is, is that how would you like it, though, that your only only potential is being a prostitute if you're if you're a touched and your only potential is to be a prostitute that's just not good i think you know, the prostitution I, is actually lesser to what he's thinking about doing which is probably using information against people that go there and finding out their dirty little secrets oh yeah well there's that oh what, what was that one woman that we meet today uh, or that we met at this. Oh, oh the bi- the bigger woman, yeah. I forget her yeah, name. the big woman. Uh, I, I gotta see if I can find her because she was, uh, Clara. No, that's not it. Um, I don't know. It was. There's a there's a woman that came in that uh, was it yeah, very... went went to Argies. Yeah, went to the yeah. orphanage. Went to the orphanage, and she and she she was touched, but she was. She was a large person, but she, she, I mean, she's a prostitute. I'm not going to use the word that she used, but I think she, it's, pri- she had two it, abilities, it, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to them, find, find her name, but you keep yeah, on talking. I'll try to find her name. One of them had people, I mean, her, her, her touched gift was really to just have people talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I mean, it kind of got to the, um, truth Desiree, telling basically Desiree, Desiree. That's yeah, her that's her name. Yeah, that's her name. Yeah. You know, that's I mean, right. and all she would just do is just sit there and have somebody just talk and tell the truth and tell their their innermost, you know, secrets or whatever. And, um, you know, that could easily be exploited. I mean, in a way, it was kind of exploited. She was exploited, yeah, just like yeah. what Swan's doing, really. Yeah, get down to know, it. Amelia, well, Amelia just kind of said, all right, you know, come with me. Let's just see, you know, how this works. And so she had, you know, she went to the police officer who starts talking you know starts talking about the the woman that was missing um mary mary right you know and then um it, it's funny because then she says go wait outside and then it's like they're only that's in there for like 10 minutes as they as they go outside it's like we've had four confessions just now let's well, go good police work but we had four <laughs> confessions and she's just sitting there doing absolutely nothing <laughs> right Right. Well, well, that that that's the thing is is that uh, um, Swan, I I don't I don't know where they're gonna go with him, but yeah, I mean, I, I, that's another reason why I don't I don't think I like him because, for example, we we know that there's two types of people that go into prostitution. There's ones that actually just do it because they like sex and 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 it's good money and they want to do it, and then there's others who do become prostitutes because they have nothing else and and they fall into it um and they if they had another life they would most certainly not be prostitutes so we could assume that a good percentage of those people that are the touch that are forced into prostitution by this guy are doing it because they're outcasts and not because they're doing it because of sex and money so Obviously, that being the case, Swan, I think, is a user and a bad guy, if not a bad guy in the sense of what 
a bad guy will be in the show, meaning, you you know, the boss bad guy, but he's still a bad guy because he's just a morally corrupt money grubbing scumbag. I mean, okay, a we don't know. I, I don't know what the laws were there for prostitution or whatever. So. I, I, but that's, you know. that's the reason why I said a lot of people that go, in, let's say it is legal, are still a percentage of the people who are there, and probably the majority, are doing it not for the money and the sex. They're doing it because they have nothing else, and therefore they're forced to do it. Because well, you could say that about I, somebody working yeah. at McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, that you know, everything but, is a choice when you moral, come down to it. But yeah, but there's, there's a big difference. McDonald's. Right, right. And I, believe me, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. We don't know that he's forcing anybody into that situation. Uh, no, but he's taking advantage of a disenfranchised group of people, meaning the attached who are considered outcasts. But we don't know why they're there. Some of them may want to be there. That's that's why I just said we're we're assuming that some of them want to be there. But I would bet that the largest percentage of those people who are doing it aren't doing it because they want to be there because they like sex or they like money or they just like the lifestyle. I'm saying that, and this is, this is an assumption, but I'm assuming yeah. it's, it's, it's a, a legitimate assumption that most of them are there because they're outcasts and they can't do anything else. I don't know that I agree with that, but that's fine. You can, you can think that and I can think differently. Okay. Yeah. Right. Then, then. Yeah. There's nothing more to talk about because I, I. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to agree with you on that because we don't know enough about him yet to be calling him a scumbag that's taking advantage of people. Oh, he's a pimp. I. He's what? He's a pimp. Yeah. Whatever. He owns the club. How do we know how they're getting paid? We don't know that he's even taking a portion of what they get. We know nothing about how his business works. He owns the place, doesn't he? Right, he owns the place, so he's making money from people coming in there. That doesn't mean that the prostitutes don't get anything that he's... I mean, we just don't know enough about his business to know what's going on at this point. To where I'd be calling him a scumbag. I'm just saying. I don't know yet. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, because that's uh, serious. To me, if I'm going to call somebody a scumbag, I need to know details. Details. I wouldn't call Masson a scumbag yet. He's just conservative in his ways and doesn't like the touched. All right, that's fair. Yeah. All right. So far, Masson hasn't killed anybody or anything, and neither has Swan. I mean, they may they both have motives I don't like. Um, but I need more to to go deeper on them and say that they are unsavory people. <laughs> that's fair. I like it, Barrett. That's good. Yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. I, I like it. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm I'm on board, dude. Yeah. I don't like their motives and they're questionable people, but I won't go as far and say that they're villainous scumbags yet. That's fair. They just um, have Well, and I want to make one other point. Um because for all we know, Swan could be helping some of these touched have a life where they were in the sewers before. You know what I mean? Like they had nothing before and now they've they've got something which might That's not true. be okay. what we want, but it might be better to them. So. All right. But 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 what's here's, a, here's an analogy. And again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. If you're a poor 
guy that lives in Hell's Kitchen, and the ta- and you're an Irish or an Italian guy, kid, and the mob comes up to you and says, "Hey, I can give you a life where you get the." Plenty of money, and you're not going to have to work at McDonald's. Again, there's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's. It's a, fi- it's a fine job. But I'm saying a job that I can get you a job that you can make 20 times more than you could work at McDonald's. I would, I, as the mobster that's telling this to this kid, this, this uh, hypothetical kid, is he helping the kid or is he exploiting the kid? That's the kid's decision, but I, I don't know if prostitution is illegal there or not. So to me, if it's legal, then I have no problem with that. He is no, helping. No, no. I, well, see, I, all right. I think this is where I think me and Kevin are are, are trying to get, ask you a question differently, which is, all right, prostitution, let's say it's legal. Is it a profession that most people – I'm not even saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, would most people choose that profession? There are, I don't, I wouldn't even say most or all or some. I would say that you would have to ask each individual person. There are some, now if we're talking about legal prostitution, I think that there are people that would do it. Yes, there are. There are women out there that don't mind showing their bodies or using their bodies for that. There is a whole industry in one of our states that allows it. And there are women that work in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's even the adult films in another state and it's huge as well. Exactly. Um, so, all right. All right. That's, that's fair. I mean, I mean, yeah, we're, we're getting way off topic. So we are. <laughs> yeah. So we probably should. And again, uh, for folks who are listening, uh, no one here is saying that sex workers shouldn't have rights or whatever. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. 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 Correct. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're just saying we're just trying to dissect whether or not characters in the film, their motives and why, and the people who they are working with, are they exploiting those people or not? So that's all. And I definitely concede that Swan is absolutely exploiting somebody in his business, and I believe that he is doing something criminal somewhere. And I think that he is going to be leaning on people by getting information on them. So I don't think he's 100% kosher, for sure. But I do think there are probably people there that are benefiting from him that might not have otherwise. Yeah, and that's the thing, because there's three. There's going to be three types of groups in, in this, this show. There's going to be the good guys, who are like penance, and... Uh, 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 what's her name? Audrey? Audrey? Uh, what, what's the lead? The lead Amelia? Amelia. Amelia. Amelia, thank you. Oh, Amelia. So, and it's Amelia. Amelia. Yeah, Amelia they're, good. they're what we think are okay. good. They're <laughs> good. And then you can have the villains, which are obviously going to be Lavinia and, and, the, doctor. and the doctor, Hugo, um, uh, whatever his last name is. And then you're going to have the gray people and that's going to be like the, the, what's the, the homeless King, Nick Frost character. What's his the name? Beg- yeah. The beggar King, the beggar uh, King, yeah, possibly yeah. Swan, possibly Messon, Lord Messon. And, and the other. cop, the cop is it, kind of turning yeah. good, but I still think he's gray. Yeah. Mundy. Right. Right. And then we, then we have the wild cards, which are Milady, which we don't even know anything about. yet. Malady. Yeah. So the question here is, 
you know, some people say, oh, no, Lord Mason, who listen to this saying, a writer already are saying, oh, Lord Mason is a bad guy because he's a bigot and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, whatever. We're, we're not going that route. We're, we're looking no. at him <laughs> as, as whatever his beliefs are, you know, whatever. He's yeah, part uh, of the mainstream conservative political movement of the country. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. He's one of those in power. Whether that's, that's good or bad, that's for, you know, the people living under him to say. Not us. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and again, we're also looking at this in a 2021 uh, uh, lens when yep. when we got to remember this is 1899 and everybody hated everybody back then. Yeah. I mean, everybody hates everybody now, but back then they hated you. Uh, not just for politics. They hated you for other things. Nowadays, it's everybody just hates everybody because of politics. Um, all right. So, yeah, so Swan, we'll, we'll be figuring out what, what's going on with him in the next four episodes, we would hope. Uh, he's definitely a little shady, but is he a bad guy or just another beggar king? We'll, 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 we'll find out. Um... I feel like he's that flawed character that's going to come out as, you know, somebody good because of what is, you know, he's suffered from his father and all this, and he's going to come out and, yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of them, uh, uh, I don't want to say the word, the word isn't stereotypical, but one of the tropes. Tropes, thank you. That's a good, that's good, or cliche if you prefer, yeah. I hope it's not going to be that way, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so yeah, so so that whole scene. Let's talk about Penance and Augie because that's the only real thing we haven't really talked about that happens at that uh, coming out party for the touched with the wealthy elites. That's a pretty important scene. We did talk about Kevin. You kind of alluded to it about Penance and Augie are talking and his sister Lavinia is disgusted because she's worried he has the hearts for penance and penance is what she would consider undesirable because of a number of things as we discussed her heritage her religion and her uh, being touched um, what do we want to talk about that or is that it is that pretty much all well I guess that that's the thing it's going to be curious to see Augie kind of has to turn his back on her and she gets all depressed um and you can tell he's really i mean he's very upset about it right right yeah and penis's face was oh oh my god it was heartbreaking right it was yeah we get a lot of heartbreaking moments in this one and that one hurt the most i think and uh it it was heartbreaking just to see him have to do that and then as he watches her, when he sees the vision through the crow is even more poignant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, my guess is whenever the show ends, assuming both characters survive, they'll hook up. I hope so. They seem right together. For sure. The only one that he actually felt comfortable talking with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and also uh, during the six minute uh, discussion behind the scenes, they they talk about it. Uh, they have the actress that plays Penance uh, talking, and she says that 
um, what really brings her and him together is Mary, because Mary, when she sings, and Penance and Augie both are affected because they're touched and they can hear the message that Mary's singing, and that's about hope, and we'll discuss her song in a little, a little bit. But um, that moment is when the connection happens between them two. Uh, obviously, they, they liked each other physically anyway. I mean, they look at each other and they say, oh, he's an attractive man and she's an attractive woman. But then that moment with the touch um, really, um, I guess, throws the lightning bolt or the Cupid's arrow, if you prefer. Um, so I thought that was interesting um, that um, that was the moment. Um, and they, so they do have a lot in common. Even if one they come from different, I guess classes and and ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll see where that develops. Um, what else do we want to talk about um, in this episode? Um, obviously, we'll talk about hope and malady, um, well, or Mary and malady, I should say. Maybe um, we want to talk about. Um... Emily and uh, the cop and how they work together and uh, yeah yeah uh, Amy- isn't it Amelia it's Amelia, Amelia. Yeah, yeah Amelia and Mundy yeah let's let's talk about them let's do yeah that. so she gets him to talk truth by using that the woman Desiree Desiree, Desiree. 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 Um, to get him to just start spouting off about everything and so she learns that he used to be. Um, in love with Mary and they were going to be married if I understood yeah. that correctly. Yeah. Um, and then something intervened and they weren't married and he's been looking kind of after her since then. And um, so she's just very important to him. And so that kind of makes a connection between, between Amelie and uh, um, him and so they start talking about where Malady could be, and he's got a big map up of locations. And Emily starts having Amalia, sorry, Amalia starts having these her visions, um, and she eventually sees her with um, Malady having a fight. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked how she uh, sets it up where she. Uh, takes the picture off the the board of mm-hmm. um, of the water distillery building, and or the water department building, if you prefer, for her, and hands it to Desiree and says, "Give this to Monday after I leave." So that would give her the opportunity to go ahead and do what she wants to do before. Monday and the cops come as I guess the the backup. Yeah. Um, but there's an important scene before all this, or or actually during this this moment, which is when Penance leaves the party. Mm-hmm. She's all depressed and she, she drives into the off the state and back into the city of London, and she gets blocked in a. Uh, street or alley or something, her car, and she can't move. And um, she gets kidnapped by 
people. And we don't time, know we don't, she's kidnapped at right, that point, right. though. Right. We don't know at that point that she's kidnapped. Looks ominous. It looks <laughs> ominous, though, yeah. And it was a pretty big reveal when we did find out that she was kidnapped, I felt. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, excuse my language. Um, so, so, yeah. So, Mundy and Amelia appear to be buddies now. And... I think at this point, Monday, I think is on the good side. And some of his harshness may be because of his loss of, of Mary, I think. And his concern for her safety. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, that's what I got, too. Um, now, before... Oh, any, anything else that we want to discuss about Monday and Amelia? Any, anything? Kevin, you got want to add anything there? Uh, no. Okay. So let's, let's let's talk about the Italian girl at the beginning. Oh yeah, because uh, that's a kind of important thing because it leads to she or she is used as a cipher to set up the big reveal at the end. Um. So basically, what it is 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 this this uh, t- these two girls. Um. I, I guess they're both Italian, but I, I yeah. Can't um. And they work at a boutique clothing store, and um, one of them, there's a blonde and a, and a brunette, and the and the blonde says she wished she was touched, uh, you know, as a joke, and you know, so it's just some banter between the two of them. But basically, what happens is the brunette screws up. And people find out she's touched. And, and her touch is that she can move things telekinetic. Well, no, she touch them and then they start to float. Yeah, but she doesn't even have to touch them. She can point. She right? doesn't, yeah. She no, points. Uh, no, she touches them. Is it everything she touches? So even when she's yeah. running out of the place, she touches Because Remember, she had gloves on. And remember, they made a big point about the glove. Oh, there was a right. hole in her glove. Yeah. You know, if she touches the hat, the first thing she touches is the uh, hat. She grabs the hat, and she touches it through the hole in her gloves. Oh, oh brilliant, Kevin. You, yeah, you caught it. I missed it. Embarrassed. Later on, running away, she touches the polar bear with her bare. She takes her glove off, and she touches the polar bear with her with her bare hand. Right. So what happens is now, if I'm right, Kevin, is that you're saying that she wore gloves. So she was basically like Elsa in Frozen, where she wore gloves so people wouldn't know she had a touch that could do something. Well, so Elsa, no, she, did, no, she did not know she had the she did not know she was touched. Uh, she didn't know she had you know uh, an ability. She just no, I think she did. Because she, she did, and that's uses why she it, wore the She gloves. uses it very, very wisely as she's running away. Like, she yeah. knows exactly how to use it yeah. to protect herself. See, see this is where, where you're almost right, Kevin. She, my guess is she knew she had the touch, and she wore the gloves intentionally, so, at work, or wherever she went, so the touch wouldn't do, you know, her telekinesis, or, I mean, her whatever it is, wouldn't uh, be known. But because the hole in the glove, when she hands the 
their uh, hat over to the the guy's wife, the whole her skin touches. Oh yeah, whole. that's true. But the thing is, is that uh, all the women in the store were wearing gloves because the the manager or at least her boss. Uh, who was also a real winner, um, excuse me, and that was very sarcastic, um, you know, because when, when they first, you know, when they, uh, you know, they when we see him, you know, they're both wearing gloves, and she says, and he kind of comments like, oh, your gloves, and she says, you know, says, well, they're, they're, they're my, and she makes a comment about uh, they're clean, he says, yes, but they're not white, you know, and there's a hole in them. You know, so everybody wore gloves, you know, and then, of course, he, he tries to make some very lewd uh, prep, prep proposition to it for her, which she, uh, you know, good for her turns down. But um, but my whole point was, is that she uh, everybody, all the women were wearing gloves. So I yeah, that's fair. But, but the thing yeah, is, but I can't the thing is, you I made a very point, though, is because. When she touched the thing is when she touched the hat, the first thing we see floating is a hat. And the, the interesting part about all that is, is that I don't remember if she was surprised when it happened or she was more like, oh, no, it's that's what I'm thinking. That's what she was. Yes. Because the she, thing is, is that she figured it out. I mean, if she didn't know, she figured it out really quickly because she knew. Yeah, and so because I mean, as she she took her gloves off and she starts touching everything, it's like wow, you, you figured out pretty quickly that if you touch something, it floats. She starts using the power too well to be able to not have known that it yeah. existed, right? Especially it's, when it's, she gets those crates and she floats those in the air and runs to get those in their way. I mean, she's she's knowing exactly what she's doing, and it's not. If she had just discovered it, she'd be more afraid and wouldn't know what to do. Well, she wouldn't know okay. exactly how it works, and you know. And I didn't think about that until you mentioned it. So now, now I'm 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 confused about one thing though, which is once they find out she has the touch, she becomes an immediate outcast. Which is okay, whatever. Not but, only outcast, they're trying to catch her. Like yeah, and I, I didn't understand her. I didn't understand that because the touch do exist and they walk around the, t- the city because everybody knows that they're, they're in that orphanage, which is right there in the city. So I, I could understand them going, Ooh, you're one of them. You know, like for example, the, you know, uh, when you're, you're, you know, well, for whatever reason, just say you, people find out something about you. Um, you know, this is, well, this is an unfortunate thing, but for example, if you're a part of the LGBT community, or if you're Jewish or if you're a Muslim or whatever, and people just don't know anything about you except what you look like. And then they find out that you are part of the LGBT community or Jewish or Muslim or at one time Catholic in the United States, for example. Then they they look at it and you go, oh, we don't like, you know, they're bigots basically. And so I could see since everybody these people meaning the these people meaning the touched exist and people know about them and they do interact every day with with people when they find out this girl this Italian girl is attached why are they trying to capture her and, and arrest her or whatever would maybe because she used her power in public i don't know and she 
cost some. I mean, think about it. She did cause some uh, damage to the store. But that was only after they flipped out at her, right? Because she she did the damage only because she was trying to escape. So I didn't understand that. I I honestly was completely confused why she was on the run. Because, again, we've seen Penance and Amelia and and all these other folk that have the touch that are considered outcasts, but no one's trying to arrest them. Did we find a, a problem in the plot? It seemed weird to me at the time, too, and maybe we'll get better explanation later. But, yeah, I, I would agree. It seemed a little strange. Right. Yeah, it, was, it was it was definitely um, at least something that I was questioning anyway. Um, but that whole story, the, ta- the Italian girl, so she escapes. She flees by using her power, you know, like throwing uh, uh, a stuffed polar bear. Um you know, in the way of the, the I guess the, the employees and whatever. And eventually she heads back to, she finds a flyer that says, if you're touched, uh, we'll take care of you, you know, come to this address. And so, and, and that address isn't, isn't the orphanage. So it's like, Oh, okay. There's a, there's another place. And so what happens is she goes back to her home, probably to get her things to get the hell out of there. And the girl that she works with, the blonde girl was there. And she thinks the blonde girl is going to help her, but the blonde girl, like, unfortunately, we've heard about in various countries like communist Russia or communist China or Nazi Germany, if you're someone that is undesirable, whether it's for political reasons, whether it's for your religion or whether it's for your ethnicity, for example, with the Uyghurs, these people that used to be your friends will now say, say oh you know to the nazi the gestapo there's a jewish guy here or the russians oh there's there's a there's a a democrat or you know in, in china the uyghurs whatever and so she is betrayed by her best friend and she has to flee again and then eventually she gets to the address and they let her in and she thinks she's she's safe but we find out the address is um the doctor the the crazy doctor in other words he's tricking um the touch to come to this building where he's going to capture them and and do his brain surgery on them um bad stuff yeah yeah uh edmund haig dr edmund haig yeah and we learn more about what he's doing aside from um experimenting on them and making these zombie touched um we find that there's some big orb under the ground that he has some of the touch he takes over he makes mindless and they just have to mine for this to open up this orb <laughs> this ginormous blue orb right right and i'm not sure what that is yet either but yeah. um it's obviously something of supernatural so really yeah so her story um is this is, is like the whole side story to get us to uh, the orb and to figure let us figure out what's going on and how they're capturing their they're touched I guess um, but and that's where big, we get to oh go ahead sorry yeah the big twist but before we get into yeah. the big twist let's let's talk a little bit about the um, Mary and Melody and 
and all that because we haven't even touched that yet before we get into the big twist because uh, that's uh, really uh, the only other big story, right? Yeah, yeah. So we get to see Mary a little bit on her own, captured, and she's around some kind of not-so-great people. One of the women has cut all her toes off because she wants to be touched. Like, right. not all her, Yeah, all her toes except for her big toe. It's just disgusting. And she's trying to get Mary to sing so that she can know that she's touched. Um, and Mary says she can't. Um, and then they get told to leave her alone by the woman that can create fires, whose name I can't think of. They called her something, Bonfire or something. Yeah, it looks like she's going to become a, a main character. But um, There's something she does later on. Remind me, I want to bring it yeah, up. Her name I is think it's An- important. Annie, Annie Carby, name, yes. a.k.a. Bonfire. Bonfire, yeah. Um, so they leave Mary alone, and then Mary has a conversation with Malady, right? Yeah. Yeah, and this is an interesting conversation, because this is where we find out that Malady is possibly a truly a behavioral health individual because everything that Mary goes really into philosophy, uh, which is talking about hope and despair or hope and anger and hope and whatever. And whenever despair is around, Mary says that she kind of goes into song and that song is like unconsciously comes out and and it is supposed to bring hope to those people, those touched that have despair. And the malady, um, a typical Josh Whedon uh, uh, show is is completely clueless because at the end of the big speech of philosophy, she goes, uh, like she doesn't say like oh I just cared about your song as it was pretty or something she's just like uh, man I wish I had written it down but either way Mary gives this whole thing about philosophy trying to explain to to Mally that she doesn't have to have despair and anger and that she should just be hopeful and whatever and Mally is completely clueless about the whole thing she's just. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think how to explain it as well. It's kind of, she's just totally in her own world. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good way to put it, yeah. She has her objectives, and whatever those are, they appear to be crazy objectives. And we have no idea why or what she's doing, what is guiding her, what is motivating her, aside from what we see on the surface, which is just madness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and and then this is where Mary, oddly, uh, becomes somewhat in despair, because even though she represents hope, uh, she's in despair because she's f- figuring out that Melody is just gone. I mean, she's just gone, she, because it, it went over her head, because, like you said, she's just a behavioral health individual, in a sense. Um well, and I feel like she's being used as well somehow. We don't know what machinations are working on her, but I feel like she's being used, and we'll get into more of that as we go further. But yeah, and at one point I thought it may have been bonfire, but no. And, and so it's like who, it, whatever is controlling her, whether it's just her own personal demons, or she's just insane, or there's a third party that. We don't know yet whether it's like a Lavinia or or someone. The I mean, it could even be Messon because 
there was, he said something weird once at, uh, earlier in one of the two episodes too about the murderer um, that was going around. But the thing is, is that she, when she does have her fights and her her wars with our heroes, there's no one else there that represents someone that's more powerful than Melody herself. So if there is someone that is controlling her, like, uh, you know, her puppeteer, we we just don't know who it is yet. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And we know that whoever it is, is, is giving bonfire her commands as well. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the, that's the thing. It's like who is Bonfire, and we're gonna find out a lot about her in episode three. But I, I don't know if I like that that twist because it's like why? Because unless, like you said, yeah, she didn't have loyalty to Melia after all, and, and it's actually someone else that's controlling all of them. So yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's Swan. To be honest, when I think about it, but I can't believe it's Swan because Swan seems like he's trying to get touched so he can you know make his money but he just hasn't gotten there yet that's an interesting thought though he could be starting some chaos for a purpose but doesn't want him out i mean who wouldn't want amalia to die is like because that's why that's why this comes out because malady's gonna try and kill amalia and bonfire stops her she uses her flames to blow the knife out of her hand. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, like like Swan for some reason reminds me of Baelish from Game of Thrones, but don't ask me why. But uh, similar. They're similar characters, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so basically what happens is Amelia, as we were discussing, leaves Monday in the police department and heads down to um the water uh department building where I guess uh, Mary is being held captive and she confronts Malady and they have their big fight. She's Uh, led to Malady by like the flames direct her bonfire uses flames to direct her where to go. Yeah, that's right. That's a good point too. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about this whole incident. Uh, This who wants to go? Uh, Barry, you want to go? You Kevin, you want to go? Kevin, go ahead. You've been quiet. Well, I mean, what they, um, Amelia, uh, see if I get the name right. Yeah. Um, Amelia figures out where, um, Malady is and where they're holding Mary. So she goes to this place, you know, and she alerts the police off, you know, she pretty much says, uh, you know, tell the police officers a couple of minutes after I leave, you know, so, um, Desiree does. And as she's leave and, uh, she goes there, and as she's trying, as she's going there, though, um, she's kind of searching this place, and all of a sudden, there's this big flame that pops up. You know, so obviously she can't go that way, so she goes another way. And the whole, I mean, the flame is pretty much telling her where to go. And so finally, you know, she, you know, she confronts Mal- uh, Malady with this big welcome banner above her. You know, and she. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I just like that, uh, you know, Amelia, Amelia just looks at this. You could have just put up arrows or something. I can't remember. She could have just given me directions. You know, she was funny because it's just kind of the 
kicked out. Come on, you know, it's a, it was a little overboard, but, um, you know, going through all of that though, uh, they start fighting and Amelia just beats the living. I mean, she punches and punches and punches and punches. And oddly enough, Malady, her eyes change to like this, almost like a, a red cat's eyes, which I thought was really weird. But then, like, I mean, beats and just hits and hits it. Cause I mean, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, look, I mean, I've I've sparred and I I can tell you if you get hit in the head that much, you're you're yeah. not gonna be conscious. Yeah. So I mean you know there's something you know there's something else going on there. Well don't forget the glasses that Amalia had. Oh yeah, well it's like the before she gave her. Because uh, penance gave her these glasses that were kind of like instant um like in, instant sunglasses, if you will, um shades. Because she says, Well, what good are these? And then penance throws one of her flash bombs and she's just and like they instantly become sunglasses to to kind of take out the you know filter out the, the light filter out the bright light you know and so at one point when uh um i'm just trying to remember what oh at one point when the the, the fire woman lights up the fire you see that the did the glasses go from sunglasses back to normal again? So I thought that was quite quite fun. But um, as, as time goes on, though, uh, she's so she's going on. So she she runs into Melody. Melody is sitting there with a big welcome banner, and so they get into this fight. And you know, it's obvious that Melody, as part of her gift, is that she can severely take a beating because. You know, she, I mean, all she gets out of this is a bit of a bloody nose, you know, and that's it. Um, and then when all is said and done, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, that's, that's all, that's all that really happens. And then, um, as they're fighting at one point, she says, you have to shed, she's talking about shedding and you think blood, but then after a while, she's even talking about shedding uh, a friend or something like that in front the, the reveal is is that they before the whatever the event is where everybody got touched that those two were actually close friends and she you know amelia kind of put her you know thought that you know um they like called each other by other names so it's like it's obvious that they actually knew each other yeah that was and, a huge review yeah yeah so essentially, it sounds like what happened was is that Melody, all she really wants is to get revenge on Amalia because she felt that this person who who she felt was her friend betrayed her. And yeah, and it that, sounds like it was pretty bad betrayal, whatever it was, because yeah, it was it was like almost like she left Melody hanging in the breeze, um, and they didn't go into details, but. You could tell based off their conversation that Amelia not didn't feel guilty, but knew she was guilty. Well, I feel like it might have been right when she was going to kill herself. And that's exactly when Malady was getting taken away. So they were both going through some issues at the time. And and she wasn't there for Malady. Um, But then that's the part Malady sees 
but she doesn't know the pain that Amalia was going through. Right. Right. That's right. a fair point. Yeah. Right. And so, and then in the end, um, you know, was they're fighting, and and so all then then we get this uh, another I wouldn't say reveal, but uh, Melody shows that hey, guess what? You know, I have your best friend, you know, your new best friend, uh, you know, Penance. Uh, looks like she got, you know, she was abdu- uh, abducted. And so on one side, you've got Penance with a new, actually, first we see Mary. She says, okay, you know, here's Mary, uh, the one that you came to rescue. And there's this huge noose around her neck. And she's like about ready to fall down. She says, all right, oh, by the way, we also have your new best friend over here. And you got Penance on the other side. And there's this big, um, there's a pulley in the middle. And so pretty much she says, you know, you shoot one, the other one hangs, you know, you shoot me, they both hang. And so, um, Amelia says, well, you're leaving an option. And she takes out because, and then Melody gives her the gun, like, you know, shoot one or the other. And so Mal, uh, Amelia shoots herself in the gut and, um, you know, so Amelia comes like, no, 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 you weren't supposed to do that. You weren't supposed to do that. And then all of a sudden the police come like right at the nick of time. And then right, be- right before they come, she turns the gun on Malady and shoots her in the gut or into the ch- in, in the chest, I think. And then the police come and rescue everybody. And I can't remember what um, what Aunt, what Andy Fireball uh, did. I can't remember. She did something the to kind of betray mal uh to, to betray malady and I, i'm trying to remember what that was yeah she sent a, a a little fireball between the two and it knocks malady down and prevents yep. malady from from uh taking the advantage basically and that's when malady has to flee or, or whatever be arrested or whatever i don't even remember. i can't even remember what did she get arrested or did she flee i can't i think she fled right malady got shot she got shot, but ran. Yeah. Right, right, right. So they didn't capture her, though, right? I don't think so, no. Yeah. So she had to flee. And um, so the question is, is Bonfire, is she a double agent? Was she a plant? Or does she she just feel like, OK, I want to switch sides because I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get why she did that. We're going to find out because the next trailer shows a lot about bonfire's story and, and why, who she is and why she did what she did. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It was weird. I, I, I didn't like it. You know, it was, well, we don't know why it happened or why she did yeah. it, which makes it difficult to assess. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't like it as a plot device. It was just, if anything, I rather, I would have preferred that Malady, uh, the cop showed up and Malady just had the bill or something. It was weird that someone would just, they would just throw this extra new character in. I mean, she's not new because she she did appear in the first episode even, but very limited. And then suddenly she betrays Malady and stuff and, and whatnot. And, and, and honestly, if the next episode Bonfire isn't arrested as a a co-conspirator for murder because she was with Malady that whole time and and even though Malady may have used the 
the switchblade and killed a person on stage and and then there's another guy that shot up the crowd well they got the guy that shot up the crowd right but my point is bonfire anybody in her crew would be considered murderous you well, know what i'm saying see the the preview for the next episode and we see one of them i think it was penance actually offering bonfire to join them at the orphanage right but and that's weird because i'm Anybody that was hanging with Malady, I would think, would be considered a a person that would be wanted for murder, even if they didn't actually pull the trigger. Oh, possibly. Well, maybe it's kind of the you know, maybe you saw the error of your ways, maybe, and it's it's right. them wanting to give uh, Bonfire a, a second chance. But I, I could see that working in, you know. Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings because that's a fantasy setting or, or whatever. But in what is supposed to be 1899 London, even if it is an alternate reality, the laws are generally the same. So you would think they wouldn't give someone a, a criminal a second chance. You see what I'm saying? Well, this is still a fantasy, though. I mean, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah, I, I just don't like that part device if they shouldn't have had bonfire with malady then if they're going to try to turn bonfire into someone that isn't going to go to jail because they should have just had bonfire as a shadowy person in the in the background in episode one or someone in the crowd and that followed malady or something and then prevented i don't know it was just i don't know i just didn't I, just, I mean, I'm assuming she's undercover, but she's not a cop unless the cops are using the touched as well. Um, so she wouldn't be immune like you're talking about for, right. you know, being part of that whole scene. Um, she doesn't actually kill anybody, I don't think, when that scene goes down at the opera, but she is a part of it. And if she's not a cop, she's not immune. So right. you're right on that respect. Well, right. yeah, I mean, she's got to be working for some. Yeah, you're right. She's got to be working for somebody. Now, granted, she never killed anybody. All she really did well, was just kind of, I mean, for example, during the opera, she just started, you know, kind of showing off, really. I mean, just intimidating people. I mean, that, well, that's she, she, she that's, also she was she was a first degree kidnapping because she she let she helped Melody steal take Mary as well. You see what I'm saying? It's, yeah. like, it's like the mobsters. If you have a or bank robbers, right? If you have a bank robbery, the guy that's driving the car isn't shooting up any, but then, but he's going to go to jail like everybody else. But she could be a plant by Masson or somebody where she's yeah. undercover and keeping an eye on Malady to try and get deeper into the organization, and so she's going along with everything, but she's not killing anybody for that reason. But you know, like right. you said, if she's not a cop, she's not immune. So she better have a powerful um, person behind her. That's what I'm hoping. I, if they don't have that, then I'm going to roll my eyes in, in the next episode. Because it, it's just going to take me out of it. It's like, oh, come on. She she helped in kidnapping. She was in the group that killed people, mass murdered people, not just killed people. And they're going to just let her go. Um, so I hope she is either an undercover of some sort of 
law enforcement or she has powerful friends in the government like Masson. Because if they don't go that route, then I'm going to think it's just silly. But that's just maybe me. So we'll find out next episode anyway. But I don't know. In other words, it's bothering me more than I, I know it's bothering you, Kevin. But it's definitely bothering me. Well, I'm just I, I'm kind of. Let's see what happens. Um, That's right, yeah. I mean, I know that we are in a situation. I, I mean, there's always this, uh, you know, maybe you can call it a redemption, but a. Uh, that's the best word I can use for it really is just redemption. It's like, okay, you know, you maybe, you know, you showed yourself not to be, you know, totally bad. So maybe, you know, we'll give you a second chance if you come and, you know, hang out with, you know, live with us and, you know, become one of us, you know, Google gobble, Google gobble. We was thinking that too. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about a very fiction in a 1930s movie called freaks. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's like you it said, we're, we're going to, we'll have to see next episode. Yeah. I mean, that, that will really clear that whole story a little better, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I will say that, uh, penance being there. It was shocking. That really shocked me. Um, yes, me too. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Uh, when Amelia shot herself, I, I wasn't worried at all because I had already remembered the doctor uh, saving her in the prior episode. That was like there was no suspense at all. I wasn't well, I wasn't I, it wasn't suspense, but I was like shocked that she did it. I mean, it's still painful. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that when I saw that. Uh, when I saw that scene, I wasn't, um, I, it, I wasn't shocked that she did it. And then I also, but then at the same time, I also wasn't shocked that, uh, I didn't, I mean, let me, let me, let me rephrase that. I wasn't shocked that she did it because I had a feeling she was actually, I had a feeling she was going to, because I mean, that is. Because I was thinking about uh, we talked you talked uh, in the dark discussions you talked about the devil's advocate and you know spoiler alert for that one um, you know Keanu Reeves in the end to defeat the def- defeat the devil he pretty much shoots himself and um, which defeated the devil's plans now my whole thought was the only way for uh, um, M- malady to be defeated was for Amelia to shoot herself. And that's exactly what happened. But then I'm sitting there thinking, look, this is a main character. They're not going to kill her off so soon. So I figured she was going to somehow survive. And I forgot about the guy with the healing touch, you know, with the healing abilities. And so, I mean, then and then the minute they showed that guy with the healing ability is like, ah, okay, that's how they do it. Okay, yeah. Well, it's that funny makes- you. It's funny you say that because Joss Whedon is known for taking characters out early, and surprisingly, that's one of his big things. That he kills popular characters and quickly. Well, I mean, he did Firefly, didn't he? Right, yeah. and he he also killed <laughs> Watch. But that was during the that was movie. The, the, 
I know yeah, it was, was but it still was very surprising. And and Buffy did a lot of the same type of thing, killing characters off that no one expected to be killed. It's just one of the things he's known for. Whether you agree with that or not, it's it is one thing he's known for. Okay, well, well, regardless, take, I take your the, word for it. I, I yeah, my I whole know. thought, she's the main character, and I really didn't. I mean, Joss Whedon or no, I didn't think they were going to get rid of her so soon. Yeah, same here. I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I wasn't worried about her. I'm, I'm not worried about her at all. I, I she had until the very last episode of the, the entire series. I'm, I'm not worried about her getting knocked off. I mean, let's put it this way. IMDb, it has her listed as being in six episodes. Yeah. Right, right. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I figure she has pot armor. And and to have the doctor there, that's that. I mean, that's huge because that can save pretty much any character. So anybody, any main, main character that is aligned with Amelia will... Well, the, um, I guess, have a chance not dying because of the doctor. Because he has a healing power. Right. I mean, I even forgot about him. I just, I just figured she wasn't going to die. You know, because she's the main character. For your benefit, I just put in two articles about him being uh, a character killer. (laughs) Just so you can uh, not just take my word for it. Well, no, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that for this show, at least for now, my, my thought is, is that she, she wasn't going to go so soon. And right. Um, like I said, it'd be, and, it was, and they have the doctor, they have the doctor. I'm just like, telling you why I'm never sure. And because it's a Joss Whedon production, I could not say for sure that she was going to live or not. Because he oh. has that reputation. Well, no, and that's fair, Barrett. But but I myself, not knowing any of this that you're talking about with Josh Whedon, I assume the moment she shot, got shot that she was fine because I, re- I remember the doctor, and we we remember her getting healed in the prior episode when she got knifed. So I I wasn't too worried about it. So th- there was no suspense there for me, is all. I'm I saying. know. I'm explaining why I had it. I'm gotcha. not trying to explain why you had it. You mean why I didn't have it? Gotcha. Yeah, why you didn't or did not or whatever you want to say. Sure, yes. sure. Just explaining my perspective and why I have it. Oh yeah, no, I, I actually I had no idea what what I, I didn't know that you actually thought there was a chance she was d- dead. So you actually thought there was a chance that she was dead because of- I always think there's a chance with his productions that somebody could die that I really like. Gotcha. <laughs> Cuz I've watched all of his shows as, you know, over time. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um yeah, that's fine. And and uh whatnot. So, uh either way she didn't die. Um, she actually got saved and then they made a, 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 a cute joke by saying, she said, Oh, I made sure I didn't hit any of the major organs. Again, yeah. another, this is another Josh Whedon type of, um, humor. Dialogue. Yeah. 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 Yep. And, and they go, Oh, but you did. And she goes, whoops, or something like that. But, uh, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. It was, it was kind of, 
Humorous. Because you always get people, you know, people that are so smart that they can miss their organs when they try to do something, you know, like shoot themselves and make it look like somebody else did it or whatever. And in this case, she actually shot one of her organs, and I like that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, let's see. Uh, anything else about that part? Because obviously we get sidetracked about that. But um, either Sorry. way, that's my fault. <laughs> Oh, no, no, not not necessarily. I mean, it was still an important part of of the the scene because it was. I guess it was surprising that she did shoot herself. I mean, I, I didn't know what she was going to do. But again, the cops did come and save the day too, um, at the last moment, and and pull both Mary and Penance from ultimately dying. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if one of them was going to die or not. That that I was more I was actually more wondering about that than I was about Amalia. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I still honestly couldn't believe they would take out Penance because Penance, the why build up that entire storyline with Augie if they're going to kill off Penance? So I didn't think she was going to die, but also I would have been surprised if they killed Mary off because Mary has been the catalyst for the first two episodes. So I didn't, I, I didn't think, I didn't know. I didn't honestly, I didn't think any of them were going to die, but I didn't know how they were going to prevent any of them from not dying. And yeah, Mary uh, seems like the MacGuffin almost. <laughs> yeah. Explain that. What do you mean? Just like the, the, the item that keeps the plot going, that doesn't seem to really do anything. It's just there for the plot to move forward. At least, at least, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, right now, it's she yeah. gives hope to the touched. I mean, <laughs> right yeah. now, she seems like the MacGuffin, just one yeah. of those things they're trying to save. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. In the first episode, she was truly a MacGuffin because it's like, who the heck this this character that was just on stage suddenly starts singing and then everybody wants to get her? It's like, what? The, where did this come from? Um, yeah. But then the yeah. second one, after she did her philosophy and explained things, I'm thinking, okay, she she has an important thing that can bring maybe peace and, and prosperity to everybody. So I think, okay, she's going to be a very important character. Um, but either way, she's definitely driving the plot, I think, at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll learn more about her probably next episode, too, because she's free now and they can talk to her and and we can get a better perspective um, where she's going to talk to people that aren't insane like Melly. Right. Um, let's see, anything else that we wanted to talk about, or any other scenes, or anything that we've already discussed, but we haven't? There were other items that you wanted to expand on. Anything? Do we miss anything too? We missed the very final reveal. We were waiting to talk about. Oh, oh you're right. Holy smokes, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse my uh, using God's name. Um, so yeah, who uh, Kevin? Explain the, this final reveal. Uh, so that we, we've. We uh, find out there may be a, a real villain here. I know offline you said you thought maybe you're not sure who the villain is, but I think we do have a real villain here because they're taking people and turning them into slaves, basically. Yeah, almost like zombie-type slaves. Yeah. And that is who? Who wants to give the reveal? Even though everybody who's listening to this podcast already knows. Lavinia. Yeah, so she, I think, is going to be the the main 
boss uh, villain in season one. At least for the first six episodes, I'm thinking. Which would kind of work since we have a group of women that are um, kind of crime fighters. And we're going to have the main enemy be a female as well. Kind of works. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Um, and uh, um, and that's not necessarily original anymore because, I mean, we've had Cersei's and Daenerys, probably two of the greatest uh, villains in, in television history that were, yeah. were women. And and now we're we're having a a, a woman badass uh, bad guy here too, um, so even if not original, it it is um, interesting, I guess. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it is a a good good twist too. It is a good twist, I think, because um, they were setting up other characters as possibly the villains. And um, and then the the person that is supposed to be one helping everybody is is actually the the evil person. Um, and how evil is she? Do you guys think she's really, really? I have to say she's completely evil because anybody who is take capturing people and destroying their brains and forcing them to do evil things or slave labor and basically just basically they she's killed them technically i mean they they still are alive but they're they they become lobotomized basically i mean that's just evil yeah she's she's just bad she can't i don't see how she can be good it would take a lot to reverse that i mean and i don't see how it's possible she's using this doctor that's crazy to do mad surgeries and she's taking away their will and their intelligence i, I just yeah I don't see how she can be good. <laughs> what about you, uh, Kevin? Well, I don't know if she's going to be the chief bad guy, but she's definitely going to be up there. That's I mean, a fair but, point. I mean, yeah. the thing is, is, I mean, that's the problem is that will she be, um, I mean, will there only be one bad person or will there be, you know, like, uh, like you were talking about Game of Thrones. I mean, I, I only watched the first season, but from uh, listening to uh, your "You Know Nothing, Jon Snow," a Game of Thrones podcast, um, you—I mean, I learned very quickly about how uh, how there's a, how there was a lot of um, definite bad people. Uh, I mean, there there was no one bad person. I mean, there was no one singular bad guy bad person you know you you had your mixture of them and like one person could be bad one minute then they could be decent another minute and it's just you have no idea so yeah, I, yeah this so this uh this woman's probably going to Lavinia's probably going to be at least if not the bad person one of the bad people Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, technically, we could say that Malady is a bad person. Um, and then there's a lot of great people like Bonfire, Swan, uh, Messon. Um, and then we do have bad people for sure in Dr. Haig and Lavinia. But 
you're right. There could even be someone else, even above that. There could even be a whole conspiracy. Exactly what I was thinking. Somebody above Lavinia. I mean, we don't know. She's, you know, it, it could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, Kevin is absolutely right though that uh, Lavinia, along with her, her, her buddy there, Doctor Hague, are, are definitely going to be. Um, Main bad guys, if not the 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 number one bad guy, uh, going forward. I want to know why they decided to dig there and found that thing. <laughs> we really don't have any info on that. Yeah, and that's a, this is a curious thing because we we do know this floating thing dropped the touch on people, and that's one thing. But the orb seems like it's independent from whatever created the touch so or what 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 dropped the touch so it'll be curious to see what this is and and since this is as you said kevin a fantasy slash science fiction show specifically steampunk it wouldn't be surprising that there would be more supernatural elements or science fictiony elements besides the touch itself Oh yeah. So the so the orb, this blue white, uh, indigo uh, not indigo like cyan colored orb, whatever the hell it is, is something that is obviously a great importance and value. Whether it's mystical powers, whether it's financial, it's 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 very important, at least to Lavinia. Yeah. Well, it may also be the way to, um, if you quote unquote, cure uh, those who are touched. That's it true, could, too. I mean, it could be. I mean, I'm not saying that. That's, yeah. that's just what? one of that's just one of those things that I mean, if you it's kind of like if you find the source, uh, if you find the source, then maybe, um, you know, maybe you can find the cure kind of like, <laughs> I mean, a little bit like uh what was it uh um, snake venom you know if you find the snake venom you can use a snake venom to create the cure so that's a, this this is an awesome point that you brought up because i want to bring this up too because based off what you just said which is there's this movie called extreme measures that came out a few back in 1996 it was a pretty decent film gene hackman and hugh grant star in it and basically what it is is it's about f- folks who are paraplegics or quadriplegic and Gene Hackman and Hugh Grant are doctors and Gene Hackman's character is basically taking homeless people off the street and using them to experiment on to try to cure people with those disabilities I mentioned and Hugh Grant finds out and obviously is the guy that wants to take take uh, Gene Hackman's character down. And Gene Hackman's character is evil, but he is clueless that he's evil because he thinks that he's taking these, quote-unquote, worthless people. And I'm not, quote, I'm not saying they're worthless, but Hackman is saying they're worthless, his character in that movie meaning the homeless people that he captures and he experiments on, he he uses them because he thinks he's doing a greater good by trying to help those who 
have become uh, disabled due to an accident. And what if Lavinia is like this character in Extreme Measures where she, if the orb is something that can cure those that have been touched, assuming we want to say those that are touched uh, have a disability, and and it's it's arguable that's correct because it was something that was done to them without their permission, similar to a person that gets in an accident and, and has to have an amputation or something of that nature. But assuming she thinks she's doing good, she's doing terrible things by capturing all the, you know, using the these slaves to try to find get the cure to help all the rest. Do you think it could be that where she is not actually a villain in her own mind? Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, she might be trying to find a quote unquote cure for the touched because what what other reason would she use um, for wanting to for wanting that orb? in the first place i mean she she's not trying to destroy it she's trying to extract it so i mean maybe she I, wants to walk again mate well Ooh, well played i think be. she's about power if she was truly concerned about the touch she would treat them better than this pretension that she's putting on right and, and maybe she even wants the power of the touch for herself where she can yeah control the world you know rule the world because i'm a you know because she comes to becomes a superhero uh, but a super villain as well or kevin could be right and maybe she is you know just clueless and she's trying to create a cure maybe she knows about her brother being touched and he doesn't know that she knows i don't know oh that's a good point too yeah yeah so this is this is a re- this is a really interesting thing yeah so she could there's a couple of ways it could go. She is pure evil because she just wants to power or she's pure or she's evil because she wants to walk again, but if she's willing to sacrifice anybody and everybody to be able to walk again, or she's completely clueless and has a warped moral sense of value, which is it's okay to kill a few. If, it will help the majority, but either way, all three is evil. But right. yeah, the question is how evil is she in her own mind? Yep. And is she? Yeah. I mean, there's there's levels of evil, right? There's yeah. the evil that knows that it's evil and doesn't care and revels in it, and yeah. then there's the evil that thinks they're doing the right thing, but they're just slowly becoming worse. And yep. then like Daenerys. Daenerys was a perfect example of that. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. 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 And then you was going to say there was a third. There was another. Type there is a third one, and now I can't think of it because <laughs> my age. <laughs> well, I, I, inter- I interrupted you by, by bringing up Daenerys, so it's my own fault. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it is. It is a curious thing. Um, um, but and all those points are really good. Um, because yeah, I, I honestly now think the orb is going to, is going to cure her and and that's why she wants it. And and it'd be interesting to learn her backstory on why she's in a wheelchair because she's, you know, she's young. 
Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, the actress is, is I think, around 50. So she's she's not, uh, you know, middle-aged. And, yeah, yeah. And her brother is probably 35 or, or 40, maybe even yo- younger uh, than 40. And, and so, yeah, so she's not um, in a wheelchair because of, um, she's elderly and, 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 you know, you, you know, some people need to use canes and some just have to use wheelchairs when they get to a certain point because of the body breaks down. Her disability is most likely from some sort of accident. Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah. And so we're, we'll probably figure out the backstory. Yeah. Well, it's uh, interesting to think we only have six episodes to find out a certain amount, you know, cause then we're going to have to wait for the back end six. Um, so I'm wondering where it's going to go because we only have four more episodes. So, <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, and I believe all twelve episodes have been made. Um, it, whether whether the Whedon has a, any development in the last six, I have no idea. But I, I think they're already there. So it's not like six. See how it w- did, and then just cancel. I think there are six more. So. Well, and I know you said it didn't do great, but I read an article that said it's the best um, HBO Max release so far. So I don't know what that means as far as, you know, there haven't been that many releases for HBO Max yet, right? Yeah. Uh, that That is debatable, uh, as, as we've discussed with, you know, the undoing and, and a few other things, some people. But um, we'll figure it out um, uh, if it really is the the best or not. I, I can't believe it is because it's getting the worst, worst reviews than most of the things that have already come out. But uh, we'll find out as we go through the, uh, the season. Uh, so, all right. So we'll wrap it up now. Um, let's give our final thoughts. So uh, Kevin, what do you got? Uh, very good show. I'm enjoying it. Um, definitely. Kind um, of, I mean, we have, we had a couple reveals and so it'll be interesting just to see, what we find out next, what happens with some of these characters and, uh, you know, turns out, you know, who will be the, the actual good person and who will be the, uh, the antagonist. All right. Very good. Uh, yeah. For me, uh, yeah, it was a really good, uh, episode, uh, actually discussing it, uh, has given me more thoughts on, on what I, I missed. Uh, so that's good. Um, and yeah, I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, Barrett. Yeah, I really liked the episode. Like I said, it's close to the first episode for me. I'm not sure which I like more. Um, I think first one, but I'm not positive. Um, and it's it's got a good direction going to it. It's got a lot of things going on. I love the acting, and I like the action a lot. So I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of it. All right, very good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll be back Uh on uh tuesday the 27th uh, will be the next episode uh you can find us at darkdiscussions.com. you can find this podcast uh bodices and corsets the nevers podcast wherever podcasts are found or listen to it right off the website and you can email us at darkdiscussions at aol.com and give your thoughts on all these topics that we discussed tonight or anything related to steampunk and the show or the podcast itself so uh once again this is Bodices and corsets, the Nevers podcast. And with that, Barrett, why don't you do this? Up? 
Thanks again for joining us on the second episode of Bodices and Corsets, the Nevers podcast. Join us next week when we discuss the third episode. (laughs) 